Buying a gaming PC in 2021? Here's what you need to know and more coming up on today's episode of The Latest in Tech News. Hey Gadgeteer, you're just in time for the latest episode of the world's fastest growing show on tech and gadget news. That's right, this is The Latest in Tech News. My name is Taylor Merrick and welcome to another week in March. Um, I should probably stop saying that for starters. The, the um part, because it's probably not relevant to anything that's being said, but besides all of that, this is the show where we cover a handful of articles each day and send you on your way, as it were. I decided to create this podcast, oh, way back when, and uh, all I wanted to do was cover the latest articles going on. And, and most of the time, articles that aren't really covered as much, like the mainstream articles. Maybe I'll cover a couple that are featured here and there just to make sure you guys are caught up with what's going on. But then I also like to dig deeper to find the other articles hanging around out there on a daily basis that might not be covered and that I feel need attention and they're usually decent enough. I mean, unless there's an article that you guys don't like, um, do let me know. But for the most part, it seems like most of all of you like the articles that are covered on the show. By the way, if there are any specific articles or topics or categories that you want me to cover on a show, just let me know. Technewsgadget at gmail.com or you can head on over to technewsgadget.net, leave a comment over there, or you can contact us on our social media profiles. Uh, just leave a comment, send a direct message, however you want to get in touch with the show, and we will do that. Speaking of which, today is the last day as of this recording right now. Later today, I will be ending the giveaway for the $50 Amazon gift card. Details are in the show notes for this episode and at technewsgadget.net. It ends today and a winner will be chosen later today. So if you haven't already gotten in, do so right now. On today's show, we'll be covering how to buy a gaming PC in 2021. Here's what you need to know and more. We'll also take a look at 52% of apps, share your data, see which are the biggest offenders. We'll also be taking a look at, and I have to cover this, Microsoft eyeing up Konami and Sega acquisitions to possibly boost Xbox sales in Japan. I don't, it, it, it just gets, I'll cover more when I get to the article, but you, if you can tell by my reaction, I'm already not thrilled about it, but. Finally, we'll be covering astronomers find a supermassive black hole that is moving strangely in deep space and kind of trying to figure out why it's doing that because it's kind of being erratic. So with that out of the way, let's head on over to today's feature story. All right, and if you guys are on the go and you are listening to this on your computer or watching this via video, head on over to latestintechnews.com to subscribe in the podcast app of your choice. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. Wherever else you hear podcasts, we're there. So the subscription options for you are multiplicitous. Did I say that right? Hopefully I did. I don't know. <laughs> for you to subscribe in the app of your choice. So today's feature article comes to us from Ars Technica. And uh, they have a system guide for Spring 2021 Gaming Edition, How to Buy the Best Gaming PC. So, it begins. If you're planning on 
building a new gaming rig in 2021, we have some bad news for you, and it's going to be difficult, next to impossible due to supply chain constraints imposed by the current health pandemic going on globally still. But we also have good news. While you might not be able to build a gaming PC, you can almost certainly buy one. Don't get us wrong, if you have enough time and patience, you can still amass all the parts to build your own custom rig from the ground up, and I know there's plenty of you who like to do that, but it could take weeks or even months at this point in 2021. So instead of selecting parts list, our next system guide will focus on recent rigs from three of the major pre-built gaming PC vendors. HP and Lenovo provided Ars Technica with an Omen 30L and a Legion 5i tower, respectively. We also wanted to review an Alienware Aurora R11, and although we weren't able to get a review unit from Dell, senior commerce editor Jeff Dunn graciously took a few picks and ran some limited testing on his personal R11. Even at the big OEMs, the hardware that is currently available changes from week to week, but armed with component performance charts and a thorough review of these systems, you can make your own well-informed buying decisions. Here are the contenders. Line them up. The Legion 5i left has a much larger rear exhaust fan, which helps contribute to its generally lower noise level. We also appreciate the carrying lifting niche above that large fan. And the omen on the right in this picture has an extra pair of rear-facing USB ports. And there's a couple other pictures that go along with it. Looking pretty nice. Oh, man. Alienware, though. So the HP Omen 30L and Lenovo Legion Tower 5i are mid-tower systems, a little on the large side, but nowhere near full tower bulk. Each is significantly heavier than you'd expect from its size, but these machines are still well under anything you'd want to slap a team lift only sticker on. The Omen is slightly larger, but the Legion unfortunately makes up for it with an unnecessary whale tail tacked onto the back end for style. Each offers more than adequate cooling for the CPU and chassis, and each of them technically has plenty of room to work inside. We'll get more into that technically weasel word shortly. So the HP Omen 30L came with a fluid-cooled Intel i9, 10900K CPU, and a GeForce RTX 3080 GPU. Then a Lenovo Legion came with a more modest air-cooled Intel i7-10700 and a GeForce RTX 2070 Super. Both systems, along with Dell's Aurora R10 R11, are at least theoretically configurable to whatever performance level you'd like. But again, uh, limited constraint on supply and demand tend to limit your options unpredictably from week to week. They broadly expect similar performance from a given GPU and CPU combination coming from any given manufacturer, but there are some other variables that impact performance, particularly the cooling. Still in their experience, these gamer-targeted rigs are unlikely to underspecify the cooling. That means the big things we're looking at here are the look of the system, how noisy it is, and what it's like to work on. So, fan noise, since you guys are interested in that. The Lenovo Legion Tower 5i is generally quieter than the Omen 30L, despite the Omen's fluid cooler. Neither machine is loud in normal operation, but the Omen's fan did have a slightly rattly undertone. Legion's fan noise did a much better job of fading imperceptibly into the background. And a full sign bench R20 run turns a normally well-behaved Lenovo and HP rigs into raging beasts that seem likely to lift off the desk under sheer fan pressure, but both machines stay quiet until the last third of the sign bench run and go back to as one, or as reader described it, wabbit hunting quiet. A few seconds later, even while running single-threaded sign bench. 
neither machine ramped up the fan noise at all during the tests. So, which is pretty good. Um, as for the Alienware Aurora R11, Tom's guy described it as loud and hot, which you wouldn't call either the Lenovo or HP rigs. So then they asked the R's senior commerce editor, Jeff Dunn, to put his through the same test. Uh, his fan speed increased significantly. He described it as being easily audible from four feet away without being brutal. So fan speed, maybe the R11 isn't the best choice, but the other ones work well, but it, it seems like they all have their perks. As for bling, uh, HP's Omen 30L Tower Mid Tower is ready to be your favorite rig. HP didn't miss a chance to glow up any individual part of the system, and the result is a gaudy but pleasing disco vibe, however you say it, that just needs you to add some bass. The HyperX RGB RAM glows its way softly through the rainbow on a loop. Chassis intake fan and diamond Omen logo on the front throw pearlescent light out into the room the gpu announces itself with more leds and even the fluid cooling systems radiator has rope leds wrapped around it so if you want man bling there it is um the little Lenovo legion 5i seems pretty restrained it, it has some um some some of it seems to be a little bit pointless and obnoxious but i don't as as for the uh, plainest system of the lot, there's the Alienware Aurora R11. The only light of bling on R11 is a slim LED trim ring on the front and an Alienware branding on the right side. And there's no side panel or anything else. Um, it's also small. While the R11 is a micro ATX system, the other two are full-size ATX in terms of size. And the mechanics, well, I'll let you dig into that. I will make sure to leave a link in the show notes. It's actually pretty interesting. I wanted to make sure to share this article with you guys. It comes with photos. It comes with videos. It comes with more descriptions, and it, and it just keeps on going. So they even break it down per system. So there you guys have it, the breakdown. If you're looking for bling, uh, well, the HP Omen 30L Mid Tower is ready to go for you. If you're looking for fans, it seems like the Legion Tower and the Omen are generally quieter in that regard uh, but if you want i guess the power that goes with it it seems like the alienware seems to do fairly well so there you have it moving on to the next article that we got for you guys by the way if you're interested in any of the articles in today's show or any other past episode head on over to technewsgadget.net and there you can click on any of the articles that you want matter of fact if you're listening in the apple podcast app right now all you have to do is swipe up all the show notes will be right there. Articles for you to tap on and read more at any time. This comes from commando.com. 52% of apps share your data. You're the biggest offenders. And I wanted to cover this just for the fact that, well, I don't know why it's still such a big deal. But it depends on, I guess, the amount of data that it shares or, I guess, privacy level that certain parts of data should be. Um, just putting this out there for you. Uh, make your own decision, make your own choices. Your personal data is one of the most valuable assets you have. Give too much away and somebody could use it to steal your identity. Most of us are aware of the pitfalls and take steps to prevent any exploits. But sometimes your information can be leaked or gathered through means unaware to you. Have you ever taken the time to read through the terms and conditions of an online service like Facebook? Well, it might come as a surprise to you to learn that many apps share your data with other third parties. 
Do you know which apps share the most of your data? Here's some information. Apple currently requires all apps on its app store to get your permission to share data across applications. If the app fails to do so, it will be kicked off the app store. With Apple's updated privacy policy in mind, they did some digging to determine how different apps use your data and where the information goes. Uh, and unsurprisingly, 52% of the apps tested shared your information with third parties for targeted advertising. Here are the apps that share the most. It should be no shock that, uh, well, let's see. The top 10 is Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Uber Eats, Trainline, YouTube, YouTube Music, Deliveroo, Duolingo, and eBay. Now, YouTube isn't the worst when it comes to selling your information on. That award goes to Instagram, which shares a staggering 79% of your data with other companies, including everything from purchasing information, personal data, browsing history. No wonder there's so much promoted content on your feed, obviously, because that's the way that it works. That's the way that Facebook's business model has always been. So, uh, yeah, let's keep that in mind. Apps that collect data for their own benefit. Um, they're also top of the list for collecting your information for their own benefit, done for several reasons. Most common is to serve you advertising. In other cases, that data is kind of used as a like a discount coupon on your birthday. The app stores that info to send you a code and hopefully make a purchase from you. But obviously, you have to go in and purchase it. Top 10 apps that collect data are Facebook, Instagram, Klarna, Grubhub, Uber, Uber Eats, eBay, Just Eat, LinkedIn, and Twitter. As for Invasive, well, they got the top 10 list there, and it's much the same. Weird how this works, isn't it? As for the safest apps, the most personal data-hungry apps out of the way, some of the safest apps in terms of the amount of data that's tracked can be surprising. So here are the top 10 apps that don't share your data. Signal, Clubhouse, Netflix, Microsoft Teams, Google Classroom, Shazam, Etsy, Skype, Telegram, and Boohoo. So... Uh, yeah, in case you were wondering, it, it's true. So here's the <laughs> information for you guys to go take a look and uh, decide which apps you do and don't want. And, and really, to some extent, it depends on how much data you're comfortable with sharing. Most of it really isn't that personal outside of like a, a social security number, which the only one who should know it is you and you alone. Um, Facebook doesn't know that. And if they do, why'd you give it to them? <laughs> Just saying. All right, moving on here to the next article. There's a potential rumor floating around about Microsoft eyeing up Konami and Sega acquisitions to possibly invigorate waning Xbox console sales in Japan. And it uh, comes with it. I don't, I'm not thrilled if this does become a reality. There's no denying when it comes to making acquisitions, Microsoft and its Xbox game studios are not shy about aiming high. They recently purchased Zenimax Media, the company that owns ID Software and Bethesda Softworks for a whopping 7.5 billion US, proves that Microsoft is actively and aggressively seeking to enhance its company portfolio and its vital Xbox brand. A popular tech commenter has indicated that the next companies that are being lined up for potential takeovers are the Japanese gaming stalwarts Sega and Konami. Microsoft and Sega have been linked for decades, and the acquisition of the latter by the former has been rumored for many by a year. It would make sense for Xbox Game Studios to obtain it, as the Tokyo-based firm has certainly struggled over the last years in comparison to its Sega Genesis Mega Drive heyday back when they were doing really well. Same with Konami. The company would bring along valuable gaming IPs like Silent Hill and Metal Gear with any acquisition. As usual, the believability of the rumors settles on just how important 
or not the Japanese market is for Microsoft and Xbox. Recent sales figures for the country are pretty dire for the Redmond company. They only sold 1,500 units uh, for the week ending February 27th. In comparison for that same week, 3,200 PlayStation 4 consoles were snapped up. Japanese gamers bought 33,000 PlayStation 5 machines and 78,000 Nintendo Switch devices. Acquiring Konami and Sega would not only make Xbox a stronger brand in Japan, but it also appealed to the millions of fans of the two companies in other areas of the world who happen to own an Xbox console. But they're not really sure just yet, and obviously we'll have to see how that goes. They actually included a graphic. Um, yeah, they're not they're not doing <laughs> too well. <sighs> Poor Microsoft. Well, hey, here's the thing. Maybe let the companies do as good as they're doing on their own. Um, and maybe leave them alone unless they're, well, I, I, it depends. I know what you're going to say. Well, it's good for business. You'd say it's good for business. Yeah, it can be good for business, but typically in, in my mind, unless they, unless Microsoft knows exactly what to do, generally the acquisitions that I see, while it may strengthen the brand, usually runs the brand they purchased into the ground and it kind of flatlines Microsoft. So, but it remains to be seen. All right, moving on. Our last article today comes to us from CNET.com. Astronomers find a supermassive black hole moving strangely in deep space. Now, a supermassive black hole, about 3 million times more massive than the sun, is on the run. Around 230 million light years from Earth. So, in case you guys are worried, it's going to come and like we're going to get sucked into a black hole. It's 230 million light years away. We're fine. The black hole has been disturbed and it's now moving peculiarly at a speed of around 110,000 miles per hour. But astronomers aren't quite sure why. They did publish a study on Friday. A team of astronomers observed supermassive black holes at the heart of galaxies, looking for signs that they might be moving unusually. In space, everything is moving in all sorts of directions thanks to push and pull of gravity, but most black holes are moving in the same direction at the same speed as their host galaxy. We don't expect a majority of supermassive black holes to be moving. They're usually just happy sitting around, according to one of the astronomers. Not so for this particular galaxy. It's not content just sitting around. In 2018, they noticed that uh, it's been acting a little strange following up on our initial observations of the galaxy with a now defunct Arecibo Observatory in Puerto Rico and a Gemini Observatory in Hawaii and Chile, they now describe a rare and funky motion of the galaxy's mammoth black hole. To study it, um, they go into details. Uh, they're trying to see how much debris is being gobbled up, and then they're looking at light and radio waves. Of the 10 black holes they studied, the only one um, at this particular galaxy was unusual. It was not moving the same velocity but how did it become to be so disturbed? They're not really sure, but here are some possibilities. The focus of their studies has been to use masers to identify pairs of SMBHs, or black holes, that have recently merged together. In the merger scenario, the new black hole can recoil, which may explain why its velocity is different to its home galaxy. If it's a pair of black holes, a binary system, then the violent push and pull of gravity might be causing disturbances to its velocity. There's also the possibility it is a, a black hole from an external galaxy that recently collided with this current galaxy. And for right now, it remains a mystery. So what do you think did it? Why is, why is the black hole moving around? Let me know down in the comments. 
And with that, that wraps up this episode of the Lays in Tech News. Thanks for tuning in. The Lays in Tech News can be found on every major platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else podcasts are found. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know by leaving a review and sharing this episode with a friend. Also, double check that you're subscribed and following for free so that you don't miss the next episode. I'm your host, Taylor Merrick, and remember, for Lays in Tech, Gadget, and Gaming News, visit technewsgadget.net. Pretty much, keep being awesome, guys, and I'll see you on the flip side.